Guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. Well, these words of Jesus that end the gospel today, repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God, are an icon that have long informed the Christian practice of our responsibility to the civic order of the place in which we find ourselves. And so I had reason to consider this recently. Archbishop Nauman released a video in the context of our upcoming election, offering some guidance on forming faithful consciences for citizenship. I encourage you to, to watch that short video available on the Archdiocesan website, archkck.org. Of course, these words of Jesus and many others throughout the Old and New Testaments speak to the covenant people about their responsibility to those in uh, the surrounding areas in which they live. The most famous, of course, being the prophet Jeremiah speaking to the Israels in exile in Babylon, insisting that they pray for the welfare and work for the welfare of the country in which they are, are exiled. Right? They're oppressors, but to also be praying for the welfare of this, of this nation in which they find themselves. Their welfare is your welfare. Their well-being is your well-being says the prophet Jeremiah. Archbishop Nowen points out that in our own case, we don't live in an imperial regime. We live in a constitutional republic. And we have certain responsibilities that fall to us as Catholics to exercise our rights as citizens and to influence society, to be a light, to be leaven in the loaf so that our society can flourish according to the truth of the human person and divine revelation. So I'd like to speak to that today. Um, I'd like to speak to this idea that voting isn't just a good thing to do. We should do it, but it's also a moral responsibility. We have to be, in the words of the Catholic bishops of the United States, both well-formed and informed. This particular question is one that, um, in our present context, oftentimes brings many challenges. And I'd like to just, before I dive in on this, I'd just like to say, this is such a difficult topic. It's always difficult, it's always controversial, and I'm not very good at it. I have to work up a lot of, a lot of courage to put these things out there, because I don't do it in the way that I that I would like to, right? Um, I always feel underprepared, out of my element. I know it brings conflict and it stirs up a lot of emotions, particularly on the questions of life, protection of life. I know those things touch our lives directly, either ourselves or people that we love, right? So I, I'm not interested in, in um, giving people a sense of guilt about those things, but rather to talk about our responsibility in society. And if my tone seems aggressive, or, or, or judgmental or con, like a condemnation. That's, that's not my intention. It's just because I'm, I'm ripping off a Band-Aid, right? And you just get, ah! <laughs> it gets, I'm passionate about these things, but I also realize it's just tough. And so I would rather be able to talk about things that don't stir up these, these emotions, right? And these conflicts. But I have to. It's part of my, it's part of my calling. And I owe it to the people that I serve. And I owe it to Christ, who calls me to preach the truth. The Catholic bishops of the United States 
in their statement, which I, I recommend you read, Forming Consciences for Faithful Citizenship, they again identified this past year that our priority in our witness in the public sphere is the protection of unborn children. That is our preeminent priority, the bishops of the United States say. Now, I'd like to speak to this question because oftentimes the, the argument that's presented against this is that we're not, as Catholics, single-issue voters, and that's true. But I'd like to be clear about what that means. The bishops identify the protection of unborn children as the preeminent moral priority in our, in our political order today. It's because, it's for several reasons, it attacks life at, at its most vulnerable. There should be no safer place on earth than a mother's womb. It occurs within the family. It attacks and breaks down the bonds of family, right, which is the basic fundamental building block of our society. We need to protect and support families. And the third reason is that it's wide impact. Over 60 million lives have been lost to abortion in our country since 1973. That's an average of 3,000 a day. So we can't ignore this. We can't ignore it. We can't trade this off for other questions, right? It's, it's urgent. It's urgent. It's urgent in the same way that slavery would have been an urgent question in the 1850s. It's urgent in the same way that uh, protection of, of Jewish life would have mattered in the 1930s in Germany, right? There, there are certain things that demand our attention. But we can't, therefore, by saying we have to pay attention to this and address it, therefore ignore the broad range of issues that also are at work in our society. I'm not saying we just forget about those things. Protection of the disabled, of the elderly, and these questions of euthanasia, discrimination, the protection of refugees and immigrants, freedom of religion, the sanctity of marriage, the rights of workers, protecting the goods of the earth, fostering an economy that gives everyone access to jobs and access to wealth and the creation of wealth. But all of these things, they're not, they're not equivalent in the church's eyes. The reason for that is there's a wide range of opinions that we can have about a lot of different questions in the world. A Catholic of, of goodwill and a well-formed mind and heart can differ with another Catholic of goodwill and a well-formed mind and heart on questions like immigration or the national debt or farm subsidies, right? Those are all questions that we can legitimately debate about what the best means for proceeding is. But there are some, there are some that we can't take a varying position on and still claim to be in harmony with the church because some of them involve an intrinsic evil. An intrinsic evil is simply something that is always and everywhere wrong. One of those is the taking of an innocent life. That's an intrinsic evil. We can make lots of arguments for or against that broad range of questions about how best to proceed. But on this question, we really can't because it's never okay. It's never moral. We have to think about this not in terms of our own personal experience or the experience of those we know who have been touched by these questions, but in terms of how our society is governed. Right? People make choices based on the laws that exist in the country. And we have to have those laws protect the most vulnerable and protect them truly. Now, 
We have to address many other things in the world, as I've said. It doesn't mean this is the only problem. Life is threatened in many ways. Many ways that we as Catholics are obliged to resist, to protest, and to work to repair. But we have to address them in the right order. The right order is key. Here's what I mean. I use an image that I'm borrowing from a Catholic writer by the name of Anthony Esselin. Suppose you were a repairman inspecting homes in a neighborhood. And those homes were asking for a contractor to come and do repairs. And began to notice as you were proceeding through these homes that many of them were in advanced states of disrepair. Walls cracked, big huge cracks in the exterior of the houses. Roofs sagging and caving in, leaking everywhere. Infestations of all sorts of pests. Foundations collapsing, caving in. And if you as a repairman, based on your experience about how construction works, were to say, well, there's a lot of things that are wrong here. There are a lot of things that need to be fixed. But until we get the foundation solid, all of the other repairs that we make will be destroyed as soon as we, as soon as we make them. Because what they rest on is compromised. Now, if you make that point to someone who says, yeah, I know, I know, but I actually, my roof is leaking. Don't you care that my roof is leaking? Well, yeah, I do, I do care. But I wanna make sure that your roof won't leak again in the future, so we need to actually address the foundation. And if they begin to say to you in response, yelling and mocking you, you're just a single issue repairman. All you care about are foundations. You might think people were going a little bit out of their minds. There is an order to the repair of homes. And there's an order in the repair and the rebuilding of society. That's something that we recognize as Catholics based on our tradition, our theological reflection, our moral reasoning about what a just society looks like. It doesn't mean that other bad things that are existing in the world just get put on hold until we get the life questions settled. What I'm saying is that, what the church is saying, is that when we compromise on the life issues and say they're not fundamental, our witness on those other just matters is compromised. We're not, we're not able to actually proclaim a vision of society that is just because the rights on which all of that is based are placed in danger. Here's how Pope John Paul II put it. The outcry which is rightly made on behalf of human rights in so many areas, the right to health, home, to work, to family, to culture, to freedom. This common outcry is false and illusory if the right to life, which is the most basic and fundamental right, and the condition for all other personal rights, is not defended with maximum determination. That's a challenging call. But it doesn't make those of us who try to carry it out, particularly the way that we vote, particularly the, the, way, we, the way we recognize is the right to life as fundamental, just single issue voters. It means we have to recognize the truth of what Jesus is saying. We want to be, we want to be uncompromising in all of these areas. 
If we support politicians and policies that advocate legal abortion, as many of them do, in our day and age, the statement abortion is health care conceals the basic fundamental lie that abortion is the taking of a human life. If we shrug off their, the politicians' support of legal abortion as an unimportant secondary thing, while we address a more important question that's personally perhaps more important to us or to our communities, it means we've put the cart before the horse. So we have to be well-formed and well-ordered in the way that we witness, in the way that we take action in our voting and in our, and in our interactions, in our conversations. But we also have to be informed. We want to be informed about the actual conditions on the ground and how the political process is itself being carried out. So let's bring this a little closer to home. Here in the state of Kansas, I hope you all take a copy of the bulletin today. There's information there about the value of them both amendment. This was an amendment that was proposed in response to a, a really distressing situation in our state politics, which is that the Supreme Court of Kansas, in handling a particular case, discovered in our state constitution a right to unlimited abortion, in which human life does not deserve to be protected even to the day of, of birth. They have placed um, in question all of the pro-life legislation that's been put in place to protect mothers and children in our state. It's no longer possible to make further legislation to protect unborn life and mothers in our state because of this Supreme Court, this Kansas Supreme Court ruling. Now, this amendment was proposed in our legislature to amend our constitution to make it clear that no, the founders of our state, when they drafted our constitution, did not intend to protect the right to an abortion. That we, we reverence human life and want it to be protected, and we want women to be protected from what is oftentimes a predatory institution seeking to encourage them to abort their children. That amendment did not pass in the state legislature. It was short by four votes. Four votes. Now, I think it's important for us to be well informed, to know who those people were. Were our representatives some of the people that voted against that amendment, and why? That's a question we should be able to ask them. Do you know who your representatives are in your state legislatures? Here in this territory, District 4, where, where most of us live, David Haley is our senator. He voted against the amendment. In our state, in our state um, House of Representatives, Tom Burroughs, Pam Curtis, Stan Fraunfelter, Louis Ruiz all voted against the amendment. They all serve constituents here in Wyandotte County. Immediately to our south, Valdinia Wynn, District 34, voted against the amendment. And here in District 35, where we live, or where these churches are located anyway, Roderick Henderson voted against that amendment. I think we deserve to know why. What were the reasons? Why did they not think protecting unborn life in our state is foundational to all the other goods that we seek to preserve for our communities? Until it's clear, I believe, until it's clear that we as a community are saying no with maximum determination to these to these initiatives, right, that are seeking to 
undermine the protection of life at its most vulnerable until it's clear that we're saying no to that with maximum determination until we communicate this to the people who are in charge of representing us, first in this area of protecting life and then in the, in the subsequent areas where it's, under, where it's being threatened, where human dignity is being attacked and disfigured. How can, how can we claim without that to be well-formed and well-informed? How could we claim to be rightly ordered in our witness? Women and unborn children are in danger here in our own state. Lives are at stake. And so I encourage you, I challenge you, get into this process. Get to the bottom of these questions. Hold our representatives' feet to the fire and consider whether they deserve your vote on these fundamental questions. And next week, as we did last year, I'm inviting the representatives from the, from the Wyandotte Pregnancy Clinic right here in our own front yard to come speak about their work, about how those of us who support the right to life care about people after they're born too. We want to support mothers to help them make that right choice and then carry their children and help them raise them properly and give them the support that they need when they're often in extremely challenging situations, abandoned, forsaken, pushed in all the wrong directions. However we pursue our responsibilities in the public square, let us do so with our eyes, not on temporary majorities, on partisan victories, but the day of judgment. We as Catholics know our judge. He's our brother. He's our brother, and he died to save us. But he expects us to carry out our own witness as he did. That's why he died. On that day, all things will be brought to light. We believe that the day of judgment, all the consequences of our choices, unseen, unintended, forgotten, all of it will be brought to light and weighed. Let's keep our eyes focused on that. Let's keep our loyalty to that in hope placing our lives at the service in a radical witness to the love of Christ who wants us all to flourish, to live, and to die in relationship with him. Only in this way can we give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.